What is up, fam? Welcome to the Mostly Normal Gamers Podcast, episode 86. We are recording on Wednesday, February 10th, 2021, and thankfully, Chris is here to make sure I hit record before I got too far into the intro. Happy to be Otherwise, <laughs> this He could have just let it go. That would have been hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> We've AJ done that be before. Looking and for it's... the files and just be like, "What do you mean you yeah. recorded an episode?" <laughs> exactly, exactly. We've done it before, Angie, and it's not as funny as you might think afterwards. Because <laughs> I guess Bose just has to do everything all over again. Yeah, and you're miss. You're losing like the, I don't know, natural like how things happen organically in a conversation and stuff. Like you're like are trying to force it anyway. It's, it's John, I like re- I love rehearsing every conversation I have thousands of times in my head. So I better <laughs> just record do a, a rehearsal podcast so that I don't yeah. stumble over everything I say. You're right. We should do a dress rehearsal of the podcast every week. Yeah. <laughs> Put it on the deal though so people can see our failure faces. Yeah. And we do have to dress up. It's not, you know, one of those half ass dress rehearsals. Oh geez. anywho, you can hear the voices of Angie Stellar Smalls, how are you doing? Doing pretty good. I am. Every time I drink a carbonated beverage, I do burp. So I apologize if that just spontaneously happens. Yeah, she's already done it twice. It's kind of gross. And also is salty sternum, Chris. How's it going, man? Uh, on a wild ride today, but I'm here. Wild ride. We're doing. Hell yeah. We're doing well. One of those work days where it started out. Time was zooming by, but nothing happened, and then everything happened at once in the afternoon. Man, that those days are just crazy. The worst. You can um, say that. I mean, you know, the workday went by fast, so at least I have that. The Only the last half or the everything? Whole thing. Oh, that's yeah. impressive. Anyhow. Nice. Well, this week on the pod, we will be talking about E3 coming back in perhaps a different form than we're used to. Um, CD Projekt Red can still not catch a break. Things just are getting worse and worse. And then if y'all remember from a couple years ago, uh, or about a year and a half ago, Riot hired a, somebody to basically changed their culture because they were getting in trouble for having like a bro culture and uh, problems with uh, discrimination and that kind of thing. And uh News this week on how that's going for them. And just so you know, it's it's not great. This episode is the special how's it going, how it started meme episode of, yeah. the, of the podcast. Exactly. And I got that. Are those two pictures though. the exact same? Yeah. Okay. Good. <laughs> for for like all three news stories. Yeah, pretty much. Anyways. Uh for, First, we'll dive into the lowdown. If you want to be part of the conversation or if you have a pressing question that you want us to weigh in on, you can reach out to us at MN Gamers Podcast on Twitter. If you don't use Twitter, you can send an email to podcast at mostlynormalgamers.com. That is also our website. Go check it out. Sign up for our newsletter, Mostly Normal Monthly, which was just released two days ago on Monday. What is that? Six? Issue six? Number six, where I yeah, have yeah. a... a hot take about the cyberpunk soundtrack which must be what you're talking about when things can get worse for them right because i my important words in the critical echo chamber really tore them down right that's what we're talking about uh yeah (laughs) 
if you want to sign up for that, uh, there's pretty good brief reads in there if you're interested in our takes on various video gaming topics. You can also guys go sign up at mngamers.substack.com. Um, and the website should be updated soon too because Angie got her stuff and we got to get her on there also. So um, yeah, keep heading there and let us know what you think. Anyway, with that fun stuff down, let's go into what we're playing. Angie, I I hear you're playing Zelda. <laughs> I just can't get away from the game. Oh, I'm, I have decided that I will still play Zelda, but I'm going to throw in some other games this week for next <laughs> like force yourself <laughs> yeah just because i mean i could play zelda all day every day if i like you know didn't want to get paid for you know actually going to work but um no i think it would be good to to have another simple like another game in there just to talk about something else besides breath of the wild but i think it's such a fun game but i've been hearing so many people that are just like why do people like Breath of the Wild so much? It's such a shitty game. I don't see why people like it so much. And I'm, I'm just like, I like it. So I'm, I'm sorry you feel that way. Yeah, I don't. I, I wouldn't say I think it's a shitty game. I, I respect what it is. And I, I think it's just not the type of Zelda game that I want. I would actually like to go back and play it. Um, like give it a fresh go and see what I think of it. Like four years removed from when it originally came out and see what I think about it now. But I I definitely don't hate it. I just don't think it's the best Zelda game ever. That's right. All. I think it's really cool that Zelda can be so many different things and that maybe Breath of the Wild doesn't have to be everyone's favorite Zelda, but it can be, for example, my favorite game. Whereas like, you know, there's so many different flavors of Zelda to choose from and it's nice to have a variety. Yeah, for sure. Because I, I like... Yeah, that's an excellent point, man, because it does keep a lot of the same uh, tenets as you move from one game to the next. Um, You know, it's kind of the same overall theme and whatnot. But uh, like my, for instance, my favorite of all time is Wind Waker. And I know a lot of people hate that game. So it's just you can be a Zelda lover and still have problems with some games and love others, you know? Right. Well, like on Twitter, so there is this, um, this, I guess it's just a person. I don't know who it is that that created it, but it's at Zelda Gift World, I think. Um, but or at Zelda, Zelda Gifts, maybe. But they put out a tweet and they asked, like, which game would you not like, would, that you would just remove from the pack, pretty much. And a lot of people said Breath of the Wild because it wasn't you know, a part of, they said it was just such a crappy game, but it was Breath of the Wild and it was uh, Ocarina of Time and Wind Waker and uh, Link to the Past. So some people argued you can't really put a Link to the Past in that group just because it was so much older than the other ones, but I don't know. A lot of people just don't like, well, I know I was like, well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have agreed with that myself either but i get a lot of people are upset that i have found with breath of the wild because the weapons just break besides a master sword that is but like you can only use it for so so many things or just so often and it just breaks on you and you have to just you know use a different weapon and so many people are like well some of the awesome weapons i just don't use as often or at all because i know they're going to break 
And I mean, that part sucks. But I definitely sorted my inventory by like the quality level of every weapon. Yeah. And then always used the worst one first and replaced the worst one with the next better one up and like would only ever use the bad ones (laughs) Um, for a long time when I was playing that game the first time. And for me, that became part of the game mechanic of like, I'm going to get an armory of all the best stuff I can get my hands on and like gradually upgrade it through like attrition. And like, that was part of the fun for me because my brain is broken. (laughs) Well, that's honestly, that's what I was doing for a while. But then like, if I came across an enemy that I knew I needed a better weapon for, I would just use a better weapon than like, oh, the worst one. Cause I didn't want to just keep using all the worst ones. Cause I didn't have that much, that many slots open anyways. So I just kind of just do whatever now. There is also this phenomenon in the Zelda discourse uh, of like a game comes out and it's a Zelda game and like it reviews incredibly well, tens at all kinds of different outlets and things like that. Mm -hmm. And then like people play it and in the moment people are like so into it. And then like, there's a couple years that go by and then there's like a big backlash where they're like, we don't, you know, we were so wrong. We had no idea what we were talking about. (laughs) Blah, 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 blah. Twilight princess is just a worse version of Ocarina of time or skyward sword. What a garbage game. No one likes Wii motion plus. Um, And then more years go by and it comes full circle. And I think John, like you pointed out so many people had huge backlash when wind waker's art style was first shown off. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, I think the backlash has come all the way full circle where I know a lot of people who say Wind Waker is their favorite Zelda game. Yeah, I'm, I remember the I don't know if it was E3 or what it was, but they before they released Wind Waker, they showed a very short video of a Zelda game that was very dark, like very dark, darker than anything we've seen. And I would say, I guess, Twilight Princess is probably like the darkest Zelda game that I can think of off the top of my head. Um, and it's like, you know, dark, dark. And uh, Wind Waker was the game that came out. So well, I think yeah, that, that was, was a the, lot of the discourse. The Space World uh, 2000 demo, it was like a tech demo showing off what the GameCube was going to be able to do graphically. And I think everyone like lost their minds. They're like, oh, Zelda's never looked this good ever. And like, look at like, oh, he looks so badass. Um, and the backlash was brutal when they came out with the Wind Waker art style, which I think is one of the like art styles that's held up the best in games over time, especially from that like early GameCube 3D era. I mean, yeah, not early. Cell shading was like, pretty badass. Pre HD. Now, see, Wind Waker is the one of the one of the, the Zelda series of games that I have not tried yet. Oh man, you're missing out. It's not on HD. Switch. Yeah, uh-uh. but it's the 35th yeah. anniversary, so we'll see, right? Yeah, see what see, be. have nobody's released that I know of of what's going to happen with that 35th anniversary, right? I think Not they've been mute quiet because they're still doing Mario's 35th anniversary stuff, even though it's the <laughs> next year already. For sure. Well, I mean, yeah, everything's going to go back through... one year, so. And I I guarantee they're going to start in April when the fiscal quarter starts or fiscal year starts and go through March of next year. They're pulling all of the Mario content and that Fire Emblem game 
on the <laughs> March 31st so that they can make way for Link. Pretty much. Yeah. So, Angie, have you finished like Breath of the Wild or I guess have you beat the final boss or whatever? Good question. So, I uh, I streamed what what day was it? Um, yeah, the other night. So I streamed the other night just doing some exploration stuff. So I got three of the Divine Beasts accomplished. Okay. And I needed to do... I'm on to... On my way to Rito's Village to do... Is it Vaughn Meadow? Meadow? That sounds right. Yeah, thank you. Um, so that's my next one. And then probably do some more exploration stuff. And then I'll be defeating Ganon. So I'm close. Um, but I just like to explore and figure some yeah. stuff out. And, you know, do all that stuff too. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I don't mean to like try to rush you. I was just oh, curious no. where you're at because I know a lot of yeah. people like just get lost in being like, "Hey, what's that over there?" and <laughs> chase the dragon for several hundred hours. So, oh my, I did that. Big same. The so I don't know dragons. how many of those the flying dragons you just mentioned. I don't know how many of them are in the game, but I I came across. I think it's Farash is a green one, yeah. and the red one. I just came across it the other day. I already starts with a D, the name of it, but I can't remember the name. Um, Dragon. <laughs> yeah. Drago. So, so like Drago with an E U X. It looks so cool. <laughs> you know like it. <laughs> it was awesome. The it looked so cool. It flew right above my head. I was like, wait a minute, is that is that a different dragon? I got so mesmerized by it. Yeah, it anyway, straight up messed me up when I realized there was more than one dragon. Yeah, I was like, wait a minute, wait, wait, what? What is happening? I think there's right four. Have you gotten right. to the one in the cold environment yet? Okay, no. Okay. Yes, no, because in the cold environment, I found it was uh, a green one, Farash. Okay. And he electrocuted me because I got too close. Oh, I was, yeah. I, I was gliding. <laughs> I didn't realize it. I was just gliding away and all of a sudden I was like getting electrocuted. And I was like, what the fuck is happening right now? <laughs> There's so many things in this game that just like light my brain up with pure happiness. <laughs> Specifically weird dragons, certain mountain creatures that will go unspoiled. Oh, oh. and I came across a white Lionel. And I, oh, no. I kept, I kept my distance straight up. It was like growling at me, and I was like, "Bye." <laughs> Just kind of yeah. Out of those there. things you do not want to mess with when you don't correct or correct response. To powered up to do. Yeah. No, I was not prepared, and I did not want to deal with that. Those, I, I came in across uh, two or three of them in different areas, and I just had to get the fuck out of there. No, not my, not gonna do that right now. Not gonna. Not today, Chris. What are you playing? Only Sekiro. Only Sekiro. There is no other video game. (laughs) Um, Not right now. There's not. I wanted to share a story from the top of Mount. I can never remember names. You you make me look so bad with all of your like deep memory of these character names from Zelda. (laughs) Um, But let me look it up quick because I want to sound like a Sekiro professional. Well, see, I just played the game. Otherwise, I would be like, wait a minute. And see, I didn't know the name of the damn dragon I just came encountered the other day. So, you know, there's that. I've played Sekiro every morning for a couple of hours in the last week since we recorded last. Oh, nice. Um, so Senpu, Senpo Temple in Mount Congo area of the game, I like was scaling 
up this mountain that's like full of these monks that just I was like fully clicked into the combat at that point and like felt like I could really handle a lot of the monk enemies. But then like once you get further up the top, like combat starts getting more and more difficult. They're putting harder and harder enemies at you. It's been longer and longer since I've seen one of the rest points where I can get a checkpoint and save and heal and respawn the enemies and stuff. Oh, it's the worst. I see these enemies that are like, they have staffs that have blades on both ends. And the only reason I made it past the first group of them is because I like barely squeezed my way into getting a stealth kill on one of them before I had to fight the other one one one-on-one. And the game designers were like, that's cool, Chris, but what if we put them literally back to back with one another so you can't do that? And then they also said, and what if they had a friend around the corner that you didn't see coming? So I ran away very fast. And then I ran away in the opposite direction past them and scurried and scurried and scurried and scurried. And I got inside the Sempo temple and I see a checkpoint blue lit up little statue. And I'm like, oh, cool. I should do that, especially since bad guys are chasing me right now. But then I turned my head and I saw some sort of offering area with like a big shrine, like shrine-like thing. And I walked over to it because I was like, my curiosity's peaked. I should look over here. And there, it was like, you can pick something up over here. And I pressed the X button on my Xbox controller to pick the thing up. And I picked it up and shook a bell. And that bell teleported me to a monkey prison on top of a bunch of rooftops. And I didn't get the checkpoint. <laughs> oh, oh no. no. But I made it through this monkey illusion boss fight successfully without dying even though i died one time but i like managed to resurrect and didn't lose and i made it through that whole section and got back to that checkpoint and got it without dying and i was like wow that was stupid and i learned my lesson of never touch anything until you've touched the checkpoint (laughs) (laughs) or until you've read a guide Right. Well, I'm reading all kinds of guides, but I I've found that like for the most part I can like navigate through most of the exploration parts of the game pretty okay at this point. Um and like I I kind of described it to a coworker who's played a lot of Souls games of like I just like steep myself in these different areas for a really long time until I feel really comfortable with the main enemy types. Yeah. And then like, I'll get into a boss fight and just because like, I do feel like the penalty is pretty high for dying over and over again, I will look up strategies so that my dying over and over again is at least informed that dying over and over again. Yeah, that's smart. But I am so in this game. Yeah. You beat the monkey. I beat so many different types of monkeys and apes, John. Yeah, let me count the ways. I know. I got them all. They were, they really want to fuck with you in that game, the monkeys. And then they keep coming back and coming back. So that game's hard. My my coworker who I was consulting about this uh, last night was like telling me that I'm about halfway through the game, and it seems like halfway through the game is when they're like. Now you're going to re-experience this fight that you thought was pretty challenging the first time and be leveled up enough and have like the instinctual knowledge from having like navigated a fight exactly like it already to give you that like dopamine hit of like, I am the master of this fight now. Um, And that moment happened twice in like the last couple of days. Um, 
once with this monkey business that I'm alluding to without trying to spoil it for people too badly. And then um, once with uh, a character that you encounter, uh, the drunkard, and now I think it was like a glutton was the one that I beat this morning. Um, But I'm so into it. Just conquering things before work. I like it. Yes, yeah. stealing the time when I can. Um, John, <laughs> it looks like I'm not the only person on the pod who's been playing a Souls game, though. Yeah, man, I decided to go back and play Bloodborne, and this time I'm like following a walkthrough on YouTube because I do this frequently with horror games anyway. <clears throat> Excuse me. Mm. Where... Like I did it with Resident Evil 7 because I do like horror games, but they also like scare the living crap out of me. So I will like watch parts of it and then go play parts of it and then come back and watch and then go play and watch and play and go back and forth like that. Mm-hmm. And I found it like one Bloodborne by far is like I it, we're almost six years now removed from when it came out. And suffice to say, when I was playing it originally, I was at like a different point in my life. And uh, I don't think I had like the patience that it takes for like a Souls type game. And now it's, I wouldn't say it's easy, but it's certainly considerably easier than Sekiro. And as long as you're patient, like I don't feel like it's terribly difficult if you get ahead of yourself and like run into areas like you'll die you know what i mean if you're not careful um like things will kill you obviously but uh i am finding it fascinating how the world is set up like there's have you played it chris i it is i bought it used in the middle of the pandemic when i was like i think there was some sort of sale online at game stop and i was just like i have to try it at some point people have talked about it as like their favorite game of all time and i think it seems like for a lot of people bloodborne is like the way into souls games usually yeah Um, i could see that because i have recently played dark souls and i think that one's even more difficult than um bloodborne but then again like Keep in mind, I am following like a walkthrough, which is very helpful for not getting snuck up on on enemies that you normally would get snuck up on. It's not really, I'm not following his build like one for one. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's not like you're like, he's finding a way to get thousands of blood vials into your inventory and or anything like that. It's honestly like just being more patient with the game. But for instance, the way that it's like, setup that i find so fascinating that is in pretty much every souls game i don't really remember it from uh sekiro quite as much but i know i've seen it which with the little dark souls that i've played but like i'm in the forbidden woods which is like ways into the game like a way into Mm -hmm. the game and unless you're very like directionally oriented uh you, I have no idea where I am in relation to like the town I started in or any of that stuff, you know? So mm-hmm. I find this, I go in this cave and I find I'm going around cause there's like these giants and I go around where this torch is and there's a ladder and I climb up the ladder 
And keep in mind, I'm probably about 15 to 20 hours into the game. No clue where I am relative to where I started the game. Climb up this ladder and it goes into a graveyard that you can use a device to open the gate, which opens a shortcut to where you start the game. Like, wow. I was just like right beneath where I started the game at and had no idea like that I was that close to anything. And I, I just think that is so remarkable how they build their games geographically to have these shortcuts around. So you don't, even if you don't find a new torch or a new campfire to rest at or whatever, you can find shortcuts, you know, as you know, Chris from playing souls games, like you can find a shortcut back to one that you already used. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's so satisfying. Yeah. It's great. And I texted you earlier. I was like, have you ever like been so relieved that you find a campfire or whatever that you like completely forget that you have to go up there and activate it? Because I like, I know I've done that before and I almost did it like yesterday. And I was thinking about infuriating moment, infuriating moments in gaming. And that was definitely one of them. That was about to be, I mean, my near, near miss experience with it at the top of that mountain almost turned into one of those stories. Exactly. Exactly. I'm kind of sad that this game is only for PlayStation because um, it look, sounds like a really fun game and something that I would want to try out. But you can play it on PlayStation now if you want to ever jump on that service, which you can play from your PC. That's the only other way that I can think of to play it. But yeah, it is. I know that's kind of frustrating for people who don't have a PlayStation. And it doesn't, I know a lot of people thought it would come to other systems or at least, uh, you know, they are releasing some PlayStation exclusives on Steam and stuff, but, or, or even Epic Game Store. But right. um, so far, not this one, I guess. Persona 5 and Bloodborne are like stuck on that console. The two golden... Well, I think there's more, but those are the two I can think of. God of War is also. Anyway, I think, I mean, I can see why people get so into these games and go back to them numerous times because you can, for instance, I just got a cannon that is like your left-handed weapon, and but you need like 30 strength, thirty level 30 strength in order to use it. So you basically have to spend the majority of your points up to this point in the game on strength. So... Basically, what I'm saying is there's tons of different weapons and uh, outfits and stuff for each type of build that you would be trying to do. So I can see why people keep going back to them. And they're full of secrets and lore. And I have more of an idea of what's going on than I did the first time I played it, but not a whole lot. Hmm. Because it's mostly conjecture, you know what I mean? I don't know that there's a lot of fact behind it. But yeah, hopefully, I mean, I'll probably finish it. A lot of the lore in Sekiro is like in the descriptions of items or in the descriptions of like memories of bosses you've defeated or in like conversation with certain characters or like hidden behind giving an item to someone to have a side conversation. And exactly. I think that makes it feel really rich because like it, you only need to sprinkle so many of that like level of like this person has like all of this history with this other person before my brain starts saying there's history in this place for everyone. Yeah. 
and you have to like exhaust the dialogue. Like you go talk to somebody and then they don't really say anything. So you talk to them again and they still don't say anything. So you talk to them again and then they give you an item that opens the door later on. Like, I don't know. It seems to me that be the kind of the essence of a souls game is this very strange stuff to me. It's just not very straightforward. You know, there's a lot of, I don't know. You have to like study them almost, you know what I mean? To a certain extent. Hence both of us using guides. <laughs> exactly. I just think it's a more efficient way to play the games and enjoy them for me. Anyway, I totally have a lot of respect for people who are willing to go through the frustration, but unfortunately I want to play like as many games as possible any given year. So I don't really have like the, or I don't want to make the time to, do that but anyway i also have played that uh or finished that cyber shadow game that came out like a week or two ago yeah um that's the the kind of the ninja one yeah it's fantastic it's really good it was like i think it took me about 14 plus hours to beat or to finish um it's just it's a lot like if you remember messenger that came out a couple years ago um it's very similar to that it doesn't switch between 8-bit and 16-bit um and the mechanics Air controls aren't the same, but uh, the art style and movement's very similar. Um, right. But I would highly recommend Cyber Shadow if you have Game Pass. It's on there. Uh, you should definitely play that. As is it the is Messenger, apparently. Good. Yeah, they're both on there. Um, and those are both really, really good games. And they're both on so, my to-do list at some point. <laughs> yeah, so I don't know. I... Uh, yeah, if you have questions about that, let me know. But it's it's a good game. It's it's a good game. Is it more straightforward than the messenger was? I know there's like a lot of twists with the way the messenger played out. For sure, it's, this one is just like pretty. I mean, there's hidden objects and stuff, but there's nothing too, uh, like obscure that you're gonna you would have to like figure out. It's pretty linear for the most part. You just get like upgrades and different types of powers and that kind of thing. But uh, yeah, the story is good and it's the art style is fantastic. And uh, it was apparently developed by one guy, but published by uh, Yacht Club who did Shovel Knight. So um, awesome. Yeah, it's a good game. Anywho, I think we've been talking a good long time about things we've been playing aj's probably waiting for us to shut up so how about we get to some news first let's go into what e3 is going to look like this year apparently they are going forward with it we pulled this from Andy Robinson over at Video Games Chronicle. Apparently, EA or the ESA rather has sent um, kind of their presentations out to publishers and developers of ba- about basically what they want an online E3 to look like, and it would still be during the three scheduled days that it would have been if there were a physical E3 this year in. June is it June seventeenth through the twentieth, something like that, and they were um, June fifteenth through the seventeenth, and they were um, or they are proposing to do 
kind of the same thing just from home. So like publishers can uh, show off their games online. They can offer demos. They can have press events and schedule appointments for uh, specific one-on-ones with media. So basically the same thing that basically how we're used to doing life now, uh, you know, like via freaking Zoom and shit, Um, which I thought sounded really cool. I've always thought E3 would be a lot cooler if you could buy a ticket and then they could, you could get a download key for a demo or something like that for a, you know, Breath of the Wild 2 or something, whatever. So um, I don't know. I think it sounds kind of cool. I'm so curious because prior to the 2020 canceled E3, they were making such big moves towards opening it up to fans and to the public in a way that it hadn't been before. And I'm curious, it sounds like you think, John, that they're going to maybe continue down that path by making this accessible to non-industry insider folks. Um, That's the way this makes it kind of sound. Um, it's basically, like I said, it's would be basically the E3 that the three of us have always been used to, which is you watch the event from home uh, with the exception that it would possibly have demos and stuff that even we could play from home rather than having to wait in lines or, um, you know, be part of press. Yeah, that part would be nice. It reminds me of what Xbox did um, last summer, I think, when they had the big, uh, I think, like 100 demos available for uh, different games to check out, all available around their like digital event. Um, yep, I remember that. Which is awesome, but it's also overwhelming to put a time limit on one person playing 100 game demos. Um, I think I only ended up checking out like two of them. Um, yeah, but, it kind of makes you think about what E3 would be like to begin with, because this is three days. So just imagine three days of having that same pressure or whatever of feeling like you have to play all these games in three days or whatever. So I know there's been a lot of like conversations around what does a publisher get from partnering with the ESA on this instead of doing their own event the way that they already learned how to do during COVID. And my brain can't get over that idea basically that like all three of the major platform holders at this point all have the infrastructure set up to do their own press conference videos on their terms and not have to pay the ESA to be a part of this digital E3 event. Um, So do you think like, you know, the some, the year long, almost summer video game spectacular that happened last year is likely to happen again this year? Or do you think people will fall in line and, in line and kind of line up to be a part of E3 condensed into that three-day event? And it's hard to tell uh, with, I mean, with how everything has been going. I mean, people, there's been so many people that just really want to have in-person events again where they just don't really want to deal with something being online again. But there's also so many people that just you know, want to be a part of it, regardless if it's like online or in person. So, I mean, I think people would still, I don't know. It's a good, it's a good question. I think people would want to buy 
like would purchase a ticket to be able to see what they can play or experience what they could, you know, what's coming out or do demos, you know, in the, in those three days. It'd be nice if they could extend it though, given the situation, but I don't think they would. Yeah. I think it depends on the publisher too, or developer, Chris, like if you have the means to do the things in what you're talking about, kind of like a, a Sony, Microsoft and Ubisoft and, EA and Nintendo have shown that they do have those means. You know, there are others that maybe wouldn't, but um, I think even last year showed us like, uh, what was it? Devolver Digital had like a game that was basically walking around what would have been the E3 hall. So, and uh, Devolver's not tiny, but they're one of the smaller devs. So devs and publishers, I guess, rather. So, um I don't know. It's hard to say what, like who would find it valuable. And if those people, you know, if that would be, if you'd just be one of many at that point and people only really care about the big dogs, I'm not really sure. I pulled open Adam Bankhurst's article about it on IGN and I want to have the quote that they have. So um, it's being a part of E3 is also very expensive. And one video game company indicated that it would rather just run its own digital event instead of quote paying the six figure sums required to join e3 2021 schedule end quote wait really yeah and so that's where my brain goes right is like they're charging hundreds of thousands of dollars to be a part of this schedule when like the company could just stake its own claim out with that money right i mean at that point why wouldn't you and the smaller companies can't afford to do that i don't think right Um, you know like it's interesting. Although, you know, I, I don't know what the budgets are like, uh, you know, for marketing and for uh, all of that stuff. Like maybe, maybe that is reasonable to have within a marketing budget. But um, how could you have that price point for some, for smaller games or smaller developers that want to have a game showcase? Or like, what if E3 was like, hey, you know, you've been super popular, you should be here, but this is what you have to pay. Yeah, I really think that like shows why those marketing partnership deals happen for exclusivity and stuff all the time, right? Like if it's hundreds of thousands of dollars to participate in, or a hundred thousand dollars, right? Just put it at six figures, right? To participate in this virtual event, why would you not instead get paid to be a platform exclusive or to be an exclusive part of the Xbox showcase for a timed window or the PlayStation, you know, uh, I don't remember what they call their things anymore, but you know, whatever the equivalent separate PlayStation event is. Yeah, if they do like a big state of play, if they do a big Nintendo Direct, why wouldn't you just find a way to become a part of those and avoid this big expense part and get associated with one of these like major platforms that like, you know, a lot of people who follow the industry really closely and watch these presentations are really excited when something's, you know, associated with their platform that they follow, right? Yeah, for sure. I'm int- I'm so interested to see how it pans out. I know um, Jeff Keighley already announced that they're doing another Summer Game Fest separate from E3. So, uh, I'm, I mean, it, February 11th, tomorrow, Epic Game Store is doing um, a series of like announcements related to a sale going up and stuff. And I think it's all really interesting. Sweet. Yeah, I think also with the, like, the fact that Jeff Keighley has that... Um, summer of games or game whatever the hell it's called and that i mean that's basically 
maybe it costs something to publishers or developers to be in there, but uh, it's probably not six figures would be my guess. So um, that might be a better way for some of those places to go. You know what I mean? Hmm. There's going to be a lot of options. There's the option of trying to do it yourself. There's the option of partnering with a platform holder because I don't see any one of the platforms tying themselves back to E3 after they've all set up the infrastructure to do it independently. Yeah. Who knows? Maybe Stadia will do their Stadia stuff at E3 and oh yeah. (laughs) Well, the other, I don't know. We've been talking about this for a while, but the other thing we have to consider is like six figures is, yeah, it's a lot of money to us, but like a, to a multi-billion dollar company like Microsoft or Sony or even like Nintendo or whatever, like it's nothing. So maybe that's not that much in, in the scheme of things based on whatever it is, whatever metrics they use to decide whether or not they're going to take part. Anywho, sounds like things are getting worse for CD Projekt Red, guys. Mm. It's not not great. It's because I roasted uh, them for not having a cool enough soundtrack. <laughs> you roasted them for not having a cool enough soundtrack? How rude. Read Mostly rude. Normal Monthly, issue six for February 2021 to find out more. I don't know how to read, okay? <laughs> it's really rude of you to bring that up now. And, anyway, we pulled this from the CD Projekt Red Twitter, and they got hacked seems like the, somebody went in there and stole basically all their shit. All of their like accounting, administration, legal, HR, investor relations, and more. The, the note code. that was left is just... Yeah, it's hilarious. creepy. It's... it's like in the notepad thing. I mean, yeah. Yeah. And like, I don't know what perforce is. Perhaps I should have looked this up, but it says we have dumped full copies of the source codes from your perforce service. But basically, so the sir, so the source codes are out there for all this crap. Uh, Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven, Witcher three, Gwent, and an unreleased version of Witcher three. And CD Projekt Red says they're not gonna waver. This was yesterday, so I guess they have until tomorrow because the thing says uh, we give you forty eight hours. Mm-hmm. They've uh, alerted the authorities and to see. Uh, what they can do but i don't know this data security shit's getting real too because i know it's like a big deal in the hospitals too they'll like hack your system and then you basically have to rebuild it or pay their uh fee cyber ransom their, yeah, yeah exactly some money like the this where sucks. i went to school had that happen so yeah it does i mean i actually i'm not i mean they made some really bad choices but i don't i mean this is obviously illegal so i don't really care for it do you think this is like the hackers on some sort of like quest to get vengeance for the way 2077 rolled out that's how i'm getting it i'm that's how from the the note that was left yeah that's how i take it for sure they just got all butthurt that the game didn't come out the way they wanted it to or they're probably super hyped about it didn't turn out really great and so they're like they uh in the note your public image will go down the shitter even more people will see how you're shitty how you shitty your company functions so they need to learn their spelling but or their word yeah image. 
Yeah, what did they, like they start off with something that's typed wrong. You've been epically pwned. <laughs> they definitely didn't proofread it before they sent it, but. Uh, so that's no. not great. More to no. come on that, I'm sure, in the coming days. Yeah, I would assume you probably hear something, if not by tonight, tomorrow. Have you, Angie, you never played Cyberpunk, right? I have, I have not. I, I've wanted to play it. I just haven't gotten there to play it yet. Now I'm kind of happy I didn't yet. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah. We'll Chris, have you played it since they've done any of the updates? I've been meaning to get back to it since they did the January 1.11 or whatever. I think it's 1.11 now. Um, oh, okay. But uh, there's also supposed to be a patch this month, and I think since I'm so invested in Sekiro and like eagerly going to jump into Control Ultimate Edition next, um, yeah, I may either make it a stream game or I'm going to wait until that next patch and really dig into it once I've cleared a little bit of the way. Gotcha. Yeah, gotcha. I know Alec, one of our listeners, was talking about how good Control Ultimate Edition looks. And, it's uh, stunning. That's, that's what I've heard. I really want to go check it out. I'm kind of... I mean, that game was awesome, and I'm glad I played it when I did because I think it was my game of the year 2018. So, um, and it's fan, it is fantastic, but I'm sure, I can't imagine what it looks like with the ray tracing and stuff. So, I can't wait to go back and check that out. The ray tracing is so good that I was driving in like a little bit of a rainy storm, like with some melted stuff because it's winter, and I came to a stoplight and I looked at this puddle and it was reflecting the stoplight in it. And I was like, damn, that ray tracing is good because mm-hmm. of how good the ray tracing and reflections are in control and how it's like imprinted on my mind that good reflections are ray tracing now. <laughs> and it's weird when you go back and realize that they're not there anymore. And, uh, I've heard some, I don't, I mean, I don't want to get dive too deep into this, but it seems like we're getting into the 4k 60 argument again, where you can, still on a ps5 choose you have to choose between performance and uh frame rate or whatever it is performance and fidelity basically and i thought we were going to get rid of that choice with this console upgrade but it seems like that's going to follow us for a while probably until we all adopt pc gaming my hunch is because this is like uh upgrade edition of a last gen game technically that maybe it is going to like transition out as there are platform exclusives that they can like guarantee are running particular ways probably especially on the ps5 because i think having the series s complicates things for xbox in a lot of ways yeah oh that's yeah that's a really good point Next up, we're going to talk about Riot Games, who you probably know from Valorant, which I think is still pretty popular from what I hear. And it is, yeah. A little game called League of Legends, you may have heard of. And they're, I think, I mean, they're coming in hot with some, uh, they got that Tencent money now. So uh, (laughs) they're coming in hot with some games. They've announced quite a few. And um, apparently, According to George Gettys over at Daily Esports, we pulled this article about the um, CEO being allegedly discriminating and harassing um, his assistant 
Um, she's Sharon O'Donnell, who's filing a legal complaint against him. And for those of you who don't remember, in 2018, I pulled this article also to as a reminder on September 11th, 2018, that Dean Takahashi posted at GamesBeat about uh, Riot Games hiring Uber exec Francis Frey as senior diversity and cultural advisor to help them with all the problems they were having regarding like their bro culture and this kind of crap, sexual harassment and discrimination against employees. So uh doesn't sound like all that stuff's going too much better. What do you say? I know Riot, because it's the executive level position investigation of it, um, said that the, I think in the article says that they hired on an external law firm to do the investigation and the board of directors in, involved um, in the investigation. And I think the fact that an investigation is happening, um, you have to be optimistic, but um, you know, I think it's great that all of the work that was done at Kotaku um, back in 2018, kind of uncovering this. I know um, Cecilia D'Anastasio's um, big feature inside the culture of sexism at Riot Games is kind of where a lot of the initial reporting on this came from. Um, and my hope is that I don't, I mean, the timing. Yeah, I mean, the timing's 2020, so that sounds like in the last three years from 2017 to 2020, while she was working there, there's still all these issues going on. Um, yep. I don't know. I think I'm generally naive when it comes to things like this and optimistic, and I think having it investigated, shining a light on it, and hoping for change is the best you can have. Um, but I'm glad that they're holding him accountable. Hopefully. Yeah, yeah hopefully. I mean, uh, apparently there's a lot of back and forth. Uh, he said, she said situation that's going on here. But obviously, you know, being investigated, they'll they'll uncover hopefully the truth of whatever happened so that they can get that situated and figure it out. But I mean, it, from what I've seen in here, like, Besides the harassment, she also worked extra hours and overtime, and was not paid for those things um, or for those t- for that time. And she wasn't paid uh, the benefits that she should have been paid because she's a, a woman. So it's kind of, if it's true, it's kind of fucked up. Colossal. Definitely needs to be brought to light because I feel like that's. I do think change, like, well, at least in this country is occurring people are starting to notice that this is a fucking problem and bring it to attention you know um it's mm-hmm. they companies can't get away with these practices as easily as they could back in the day um oh for sure but examples like this and setting examples and showing that it's not okay like are still needed sadly to kind of reiterate that point over and over and over again until it's um you know fully recognized yeah, it's, especially you're right. This day and age, it's it's sad that it's still happening. It's happening a lot everywhere, but it's it's sad, especially in the gaming community, that's still happening because there's a lot of. Um, I mean, yeah, it started out where it's just like dudes everywhere, but there's still a lot of females that were just undermined and you know that shouldn't have been because they probably could have excelled fairly fairly well in their environment if they were given the chance to without discrimination. 
Yeah. And I think it's really important to like have people of all different backgrounds, women, trans folks, queer folks, people of color, black people, like indigenous people in the room at these major developers because they will enrich and better everyone's experience with the game. They'll make it more approachable to people. It will broaden gaming. It will create art that can help you empathize with more people. And the Mm -hmm. fact that the toxic masculinity garbage waste pile of (laughs) gaming culture from when I was growing up is still dragging things down and making life terrible for people is unacceptable at this point. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, you're right in the sense of like that, like different backgrounds, different cultures, different beings and walks of life can bring so many different things to the game that maybe would have made the game better. Uh, You never know and you won't know because you didn't give them a chance to. Or when they got the chance by, you know, getting that rare hire, they're then put into an environment where they're not given any clout and are talked down to and ignored. Yeah. Yeah, But then why hire him in the first place then if you're gonna be such a dick about it? (laughs) Exactly. It's a good look to have a diverse looking staff, but if you're not going to actually engage, you know, and, and give them equitable voice in the conversations and in the development, then it's literally just for appearances and yeah, it's upsetting. Yeah. Is it that fucking hard? For some. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Um, sorry, I, I'm getting way more worked up about this than uh, I usually would plan on on mic, but I think it's important to speak up about stuff like this. No, you're, it's very much important, and I, I appreciate you for doing that, so you're not wrong. Agreed. Chris, you want to tell us what Unreal 5 looks like? Believe it or not, that shit is apparently from Unreal 4. What? Oh, it is? Apparently, I don't. I, I mean, I saw it going around. So uh, no, really. I want um Isn't in the doc the existing one. That is the existing one. So Jeez. in the doc, I just posted a Twitter thing underneath that news item. I want you to yeah. open it and see what this dude is doing in it. Um, Angie, would you describe what's happening in this video from what you can interpret? Oh, so the. The one on Twitter that you had sent? Yeah. So So it looks like in this video, um the uh wow, this guy is just making faces, facial movements, raising his eyebrows, moving his mouth around, uh, moving the eyes around, just trying to see it's just it's making this AI do exactly what he's doing, pretty much. Yeah, so this is Unreal slash uh, Unreal Engine slash Epic's MetaHuman Creator Project, and this is uh, from uh, the Unreal Engine blog's press release about it. Um, Creating truly convincing digital humans is hard. Look, look, Look at the language they're using to be very specific here, right? They're not talking about character creation; they're talking about creating digital humans. Yeah, and um, this has been going all around Twitter. Um, people who work at Epic are hashtagging it metahuman. Um, and you can find all kinds of wild stuff like this guy who apparently is doing one-to-one facial animation capture, like straight into the project from like, I don't, he says in the tweet, um, how it was set up, uh, but it just like, 
going further into it, Meta Human Creator is a cloud streamed app designed to take real time digital human creation from weeks or months to less than an hour without compromising on quality. It works on drawing from an ever-growing library of variants of human appearance and motion and enabling you to create convincing new characters through intuitive workflows to let you sculpt and craft the result you want. As you make adjustments, the MetaHuman Creator blends between actual examples in the library in a plausible, data-constrained way. You can choose a starting point by selecting a number of preset faces or contribute to your human from a diverse range in the database. So I encourage everyone to check out this YouTube video, Meet the MetaHumans, free sample available now. It sounds like this is a tool that works in Unreal 4, but don't quote me on that. And like, just imagine this tool enabling developers to like destroy our lives and make things so believable in Unreal Engine 5, which we've already seen like how spectacular things will look in that. Well, because he's doing this from, it says Live Link Face App. And he says mm-hmm. he doesn't, for the listener's reference, he doesn't have any mocap, like, you know how you they usually have those like blue balls or tiny green balls or a face mask on or whatever, like all over the, yeah, like the tiny over the little face. dots. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So it's it's yeah. just, he doesn't a, have any of that. A one-to-one no. video syncing up without like live video of this man's face syncing yeah. up with this character's face. So you're talking like like Last of Us Part Two level of emotion expression on people's faces, but without needing to spend like hundreds of hours in a mocap studio, in an expensive mocap studio. That's pretty remarkable. And like, Although I've always wanted to just put have the dots put on my face and wear that suit and and be in a video game. That would just be the coolest thing ever. Just do some crazy movements. Agreed. Have some crazy dots all over my face. I'd do it. I mean, these these are like the stuff in the YouTube video that like was initially linked out with this is like a step beyond the uncanny valley. Like it's like very realistic looking. And I I do want to acknowledge like hardware is going to limit these things and like texture, you know, like I'm not like tech savvy enough. I mean, you know, Angie, maybe you can speak to it a little bit more than I can. Uh, but I, you know, I'm, I'm sure like we're not going to see things like this in games in the immediate future, but do we need people that look this real? I'm just happy that it apparently is going to make developers and art teams jobs faster. I mean, we don't have to do really have to have that brand new person. No, I mean, you don't have to have realistic humans like this in video games, like right now, but will people love it? Yeah. I mean, that's the direction that things are going with video games right now. Anyways, just making things more realistic. Um, but my, my thought was like, when you make things more realistic, so do you make it more realistic when like blood is spilling out of the person, when the guts are coming out, like in Mortal Kombat, like people had to go see, like they had PTSD from creating that game. So like, I wonder what it would be like if it was even more realistic than that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, you know, uh, John, what, what do you think? <laughs> oh, I was, that made me think about a, the VR thing that we talked about earlier this year or not this year, but last year, I think at some point where some, they made some, uh, woman's 
daughter who had passed away, like in VR. And uh, like her, like response, a real, like a her, like for real, real, like a lady, like the like lady's daughter her. passed away, and this demo basically show like the the developers built her daughter who had passed away in a virtual world. Okay, and you're just, you're she like with some mind shit there. Put on, I know, and I just think there's a certain level where we're like, like this. Some of these photos on here, if you go to the MetaHuman. Uh, on the Unreal Unreal Engine website, it's ridiculous how realistic these people look. And I like yeah. Chris. I'm sure you're right that we're like, I mean, what do I know if it, if it works in Unreal four or five? But this, some of these look like they have to be like the next step. But I don't know. It's crazy. I hope that this makes labor on these games that much less intense and so that it can become a form of more direct i don't know i i think simultaneously i don't want to take people's like i don't know does this like destroy people in the art part of like the 3d art and modeling part of things if there's just this really easy proprietary way of doing it without the expertise of these 3d modelers to do this stuff you got me man and i i think like I the know. if you're talking about like crunch and that kind of thing and working long hours i don't like to me that's a culture change like that will only change that won't change because we make technology better because if you work in a culture that is prone to like force people to crunch it will just be part of they will just It'll, think that they yeah. need to crunch to do something else to push themselves that much further in the game that much further uh yeah in my, email didn't make people stop crunching it made people work constantly yeah exactly like we have how many of these like conveniences at our fingertips and they make any if anything they may don't necessarily make us have more free time you know what i mean if that makes sense or is a apt comparison? I don't know, but uh, a thousand percent. Yeah, they'll it's find a, a different thing. way. You're right. Um, well, find what another is... way to make life. Yeah, cool. exactly. Uh, Angie, did you want to talk about these PS5 controller thing real quick? <laughs> I just I wanted to ask you guys about it. Well, more or less, you, John, because I don't, Chris, you don't play the PlayStation. Is that correct? I do not have a PS5. I uh, tried to get in the uh, lottery-esque experience of trying to get one off of uh, Walmart online the other day and did not succeed. Did not succeed. <laughs> the controller looks so cool, though. I love the controller. I love that it looks a little bit like Totoro and it has all those cool features and all that stuff. Well, I was I wanted to see like because I don't I don't have a PlayStation Five either, but apparently the controllers there's some issues with controllers. I've heard people saying that it's like amazing, but then also I've heard people saying that the DualSense controllers like are nothing. Like it's not better than any other controllers. Just it doesn't. I don't know. So I was gonna ask John his thoughts on it. It's way better than any other controller oh. I've ever used as far as like the oh, really? motion sensing and stuff goes. If you play like Astrobot or if you play a first party Sony game, it's, I think it's fantastic because you, if you're rolling through like sand, it feels like sand. If your character is like 
walking on like we've been i've been playing uh what is it uh, i can't think of the name the little big planet guy Sackboy. Sackboy, a big Sackboy. adventure uh and like when he's running on the floor and then he goes on like shag carpeting and you can like feel his feet like on the shag carpeting or whatever it and it the way it feels is just absurd how much they can mimic those feelings through a controller yeah but i i did have my x button stick on my launch one so i sent that one in but i haven't noticed any drifting on well yeah that's so. so yeah that's uh that people are talking about drifting that is similar to what happened with the nintendo switch controllers and actually that happened with my joy cons on my my switch when we we just got it and like rupert allen he's just whining anyway so like so it's when I was playing, it would just start moving. And I'm like, wait a minute, I'm playing Mario Kart. I know I'm not moving to the right here. Like what in the hell is happening? So I had to like do some recalibrations. I almost took it apart myself to like see if there's any like dust or dirt in there that, that was making it do that. But I ended up fixing it. But so when I read that, when I seen that there was some drifting issues, I was like, huh, that's interesting. Not long after launch, I wonder if that's just something that, it's like just some faulty controllers, which can happen. Not every one of them is going to be absolutely perfect. Um, but now I was just curious to see if that was a common, common thing that us hosts have experienced in their PS5. I had it with my Switch too and sent it in to get them fixed. But in that it is weird because yeah. maybe it's the same, I don't know, whatever the mechanism is, because obviously it's on the analog stick. So maybe I wonder use people... a similar mechanism. I, yeah, I mean, maybe. I, I wonder, if, is that common for people to send their stuff in? I mean, me being, I guess, uh, engineer mind, I just, I want to fix it myself. I don't want to send it in and have to wait. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Well, I bought another controller, so I didn't have to. So I guess they got Smart. me twice there. Um, They're covered <laughs> under, the, it, so per the Kotaku article um, that you pulled for this, uh, they, the controllers are covered under warranty so yeah. yeah i did send mine in and get it got it fixed but i'm with you i didn't want to wait like a week to get it back to play my brand new playstation 5 so yeah. i i mean the only reason one. i was willing to do that with my switch is because i have because i got obsessed with getting different color combinations i have a couple different yep. pairs of joy cons at this exactly point. <laughs> exactly so well hopefully yeah, it's not I a had- huge issue I had drift when I was playing down well, and it would just drag me to my death. Constantly. Nice, nice. Um, it was um, we have a mostly normal question that was sent in by a listener, right? Yeah, you. Minion Kevin wrote in and said, "I think I have a question to start off with for you guys. With the Wii and Wii U so heavily invested with their virtual console, it would seem like a, that would transition perfectly to the Switch, especially with being able to play on the go. Outside of the Mario 35th collection and the expected Zelda one this year, you think Nintendo is throwing away money from all the people that would rebuy these games for the Switch? What do you think Nintendo's reasoning is behind this? Angie, let's start with you. Let's not. That's an interesting question. Um, Throwing away money? I don't know if he'd be throwing away money necessarily because they're going to be making money with anything they put out there. So I don't know if it's anything that they're necessarily throwing away because they wouldn't put anything out there that they're necessarily just going to be gaining back in some, in some form. So both of you, do you subscribe for like the online subscription with them? Mm, Yeah. 
nope. <laughs> Something that I think is really cool in, in the way that they kind of stepped away from virtual console um, with the Switch was the NES and Super NES online collections that they do, which is just like a slowly, very slowly updated list of games from those two consoles that are just available to people who pay the $20 a year um, subscription service to play the switch online. Um, and oh. it, it, so it, it doesn't have like everything, everything under the sun, but you know, I was alive during, uh, the Wii's, um, early virtual console era and like listening to things like Retronauts at that time, where they would talk about the, that week's release of, or two of games to virtual console uh, as they slowly trickled out as well. Um, but I do have, um, from today, February 2020, 10th, 2021, um, the new titles were just announced. And uh, let me tell you, they're not ones I've ever heard of uh, for this month. Uh, we have things like um, Doomsday Warrior, Psycho Dream, Prehistoric Man, spelled prehistoric at the end, and like uh, the common, NES, Fire and Ice. Um, so not putting out the bangers like Final Fantasy VI or Chrono Trigger that I want to be seeing um, <laughs> at this point, but they are still updating it. And, you know, like you could pay that $20 subscription and probably play just those games and play some of the greatest games of all time that are on those two things. The question becomes, A, do they start doing this with N64 at some point? Yes. B, are they kind of already doing it with the Wii U with all of the Wii U re-releases they've done? I think kind of, yes, it's almost like a physical console of the Wii U (laughs) with like Mario 3D World, um, you know, uh, Sharp FE, um, the Shin Megami Tensei uh, crossover with Fire Emblem RPG, Captain Toad, DK Tropical Freeze, the list goes on, right? Like, um, Nintendo doesn't shy away from like re-releasing games and giving people opportunities to rebuy them. And I actually think that the Switch online service is a better choice than that because I can check out all these games that are older and not have to shell out money for each of them. Personally. John, what do you think? Well, to answer his question, they're definitely throwing away money because they, I mean... Like he says, on the Wii and Wii U, you could just buy those games and people were buying like Mario uh, over and over and over again, you know. Um, but I think they would have gotten a lot of pushback had they just transitioned the virtual console and called it something else and then made you buy Mario yet again. Um, so I think they kind of counted that out as like a business plan. And I think this this one's better, I think. Uh, I'm with you, Chris. Like we're not, it's not like we're getting bangers every month or even quarterly really. Uh, They did start out pretty quick and you can't play a lot of cool Zelda games and Mario games and other SNES and NES games on that uh, service. Um, But they're Nintendo's going to Nintendo, man. Like they figure out a different way to do shit all the time. And you know, when they came out with the Wii, we were like, what the fuck are you doing? And that thing took off like crazy. And, same with the Switch. Like everybody was convinced that Nintendo was going to be a third-party developer for Microsoft and Sony by this time, and look where we are. Like the Switch is just freaking killing it. So, 
Numero um, uno. Yeah, exactly. So they're just, I don't know, they think on a different plane, man, and do things differently. They took, they take the road less traveled by. And I think the one that's less obvious to all of us, like how many times have you like the prime trilogy? Like that's a perfect example of like what Minion Kevin's talking about. Like you could put the prime trilogy on a freaking cartridge and sell it to me for $60 and I will happily pay it. And, but they're not doing it yet. Maybe they will. Maybe they won't. Wind Waker, like we were talking about earlier, Angie hasn't played that yet. Like put it on switch. She can play it. Maybe they will this year. Maybe not. Who knows? Do it. <laughs> Make them happy. Do it. They do whatever they want. <laughs> Whether we like it or not. And apparently we are okay with it because we keep going back for more. Well, yeah. there is the Wii U Wind Waker HD. Yeah. And so with the tradition of just re-releasing every game from the Wii U era, maybe that's up next. I do think... I think Angie said it earlier this episode. Like, I think they will do something like that with the 35th anniversary collection. I think. I mean, how can you not? Yeah. They'll probably release Ocarina of Time like they did on the 3DS in a similar oh, format. Do it. Just, just, oh, that'd be awesome. That's what they did with Mario. And then, I mean, I have played that game millions and millions of times. I like played it and played it. I'd, I'd do it again just because it's such a great game. Yeah. In my so, humble opinion. Yeah. <laughs> I hope they do something cool like that too. We all do. That does it for us this week. Thank you for joining us. Do you all want to let people know where you're at? Angie, how about you? Where can people find you? At Stellar Smalls. Um, been streaming, so go check it out if you want to. I'm going to be setting up a schedule, I think, this weekend. So that where are you streaming? Be something to... What do you mean? What? Twitch or what? Your... Oh yeah, Twitch. Sorry, Twitch. Um, you know, Twitch TV slash Stellar Smalls. Pretty simple. So trying to make it easy across the board, so it's you know not have to do different names for different things. Strong branding choices. It's a good idea. Mm-hmm. Love to see it. Chris, how about you? You can find Chris me. Chris is at... going to start a stream. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> let's put put my feet to the fire. Uh, at VG Occasion on Twitter. And at VG Occasion on Twitch.tv, where coming soon, potentially Monday, the 15th, day after Valentine's Day, we will start having Monday morning coffee streams bright and early uh, before I go into work. I will sit and chill and drink some coffee and shoot some shit and play some old video games uh, because I'm going to start digging through my backlog and... uh, Part of that might be choosing to play through Persona 5 or Persona 4 Golden for the first time because uh, you got to start somewhere. On your PC? On my PC, streaming it nice. out to the world. Woo! Well, yeah. So, John, what about you? You can't follow me on, well, you can't follow me on Twitch. Uh, we have the Mostly Normal Gamers Twitch, but it's not terribly active right now, but we will hopefully change that in the near future. Whichever one of you two gets affiliate first gets my five dollars per month from Amazon. Oh, shit, it's a race now, Angie. It is. It's on. <laughs> uh, but you can you find go me. My schedule right away. <laughs> either, either way, I think it'd be awesome because the morning coffee stream sounds pretty awesome to me. Yeah, I agree. 
I'm going to keep my joke to myself, but uh, <laughs> Andy, I'm going to say it off mic. Yeah. But you can find me at Johnny Simpson on Twitter and go play some games. And we will talk to you all next week. Bye. Peace.